0: I'm Chaplain Jacob Scott of the Oregon National Guard. This is the Hope in the Trenches podcast, where going forward, I'll sit down for conversations with people who offer interesting and informative perspectives on finding strength for life and work in the trenches, and even improving our spiritual posture. Whether you feel like you're under heavy bombardment or ready to go over the top toward a new objective, it's good to be with you. So I told Seth on the way in, the big idea for hope in the trenches is living and leading with hope. Mm. and well, first of all, John, thanks so much for spending your time with us this afternoon. It's honor an honor to be with you.: well, You've done a lot of USO tours, and a lot of your songs have themes of promise and faith and hope, uh, support for the military, love for the America, love for America, and a connection to something larger, something greater. Where, do, where does that come from for you?
1: How long you got? <laughs> well, I, you know, I think, you know, certainly it starts with my parents. Uh, mm-hmm. My parents um, certainly appreciate uh, our freedoms, our liberty. Um, you know, they kind of grew up in a time where uh, liberty wasn't guaranteed. They have scattered memories from their parents of, uh, of World War II, certainly Vietnam, and, and mm-hmm. conflicts that many of us in this generation have not really experienced. Right. So I think you always have to start with your parents. But I have no military in my family. Um, it's not like I have you know, uncles or cousins who mm-hmm. are military, but my involvement with, with our troops really started after uh, my song Superman came out. Yeah. And I started getting emails from overseas during the first Iraq war about how music played a part in our soldiers' well-being. Absolutely. And I was, I was kind of intrigued and interested in how so many people would use the same song in different ways, right? So you'd have this song, some would use it to escape, some would use it to pump up for a mission, mm-hmm. some would use mm-hmm. it to calm down for a mission, some would use it to think of home. So everybody kind of found the way they needed it um, from a song, the exact same song. And it was an education to me how you know, we write the songs, we have an idea what we, mean, what we mean, we put them out there, but people take them and apply them to their lives in a way that provides them what they need. So I saw very quickly how uh, music was important to our troops. And you know, look, I can't drive a tank like you guys, I can't you know, fly a plane, but I, I think that initial kind of experience kind of formed my next 30 years of advocacy and performing for our troops. you know Certainly, I appreciate the freedoms. I'm a songwriter, it's about free expression, I understand mm-hmm. that, all those things. Um, but when, that, uh, when Superman first came out and I saw that, uh, then USO tours um, all the way to this brand new song about Ukraine, which right. even though it's about Ukraine, it's as much about our troops as
0: it is about them. Well, there's so many themes from that song too that, that resonate. It, with me personally having yeah. listened to the song and when watching the video that you recently filmed, tell us a little bit about that experience. Because you went, you explained that you originally were going to film that in Poland, I think, yeah. and but you ended up filming a video in Ukraine amidst the rubble with the Ukrainian orchestra. Yeah, it actually started
1: ironically the whole the whole trip to Ukraine uh, with Afghanistan with the withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, when we withdrew and abandoned our allies, uh, our American citizens, um, particularly our Afghan special forces allies that, that we trained and that you and your fellow Afghan veterans served with, um, I was very angry. I was very angry at the military. So I wrote a song called Blood on My Hands, which initially talking about Giving People a Voice became one of the songs that I think expressed the anger of many of our Afghan veterans. And in that process, I became aware um, and embedded, actually, with some of these incredible, heroic groups rescuing those we abandoned. There were many. One was called Save Our Allies. Mm -hmm. Save Our Allies was comprised of a woman, Sarah Verado, uh, who has a catastrophically injured husband mm-hmm. from Afghanistan. And then Tim Kennedy, the UFC fighter, you got some special forces, Green Berets. They actually rescued 12,000 Afghans in 10 days. Mm-hmm. They have one guy, Sea Spray, we call him Sea Spray, because we're not, not allowed to use his real name. And you know, this guy has inspired me. He literally, he's a former Green Beret, special forces guy. Uh, but not active. He bought a plane ticket, went down there by himself, hooked up with several allies. The guy lost 30 pounds in 30 days, probably slept an hour a night, but he got thousands of people like He would go out at night, they would go out, shepherd Afghans through, frankly, sewers through the gate and get them on planes during the day, process them, sleep for an hour, do it the next night while the Taliban was hunting them the whole time. So I became very inspired by these Save Our Allies people. And when the Ukraine war happened, I wrote a song about President Zelensky and the Ukrainian people called "Kim One Man Save the mm-hmm. World? Mm-hmm. Basically, in one sense, a, a, uh, a tribute song to his courage. We offered him a plane ticket. He said, send me a stinger. So that's a little different than we've seen in world leaders in the last 20 years. So I'm like, this is a different guy. So the song you know, certainly speaks to his Churchillian resolve but it's also a plea to the world of like we got to support these people so I'd written this song and uh, I was going on a string quartet tour and I had to arrange the song, the music for our string quartet so I was doing that and I had a thought of why don't I go to Poland, play this with the Polish orchestra, Poland needs a shot in the arm they've been so amazing for this conflict, they've taken millions of millions, refugees, yeah. incredible they've been the hero, you know their, their president was the first person to go to Kiev when nobody else would go so I called my Save Our Allies friends, and, and they have relationships all over the world, particularly mm-hmm. in Ukraine and Poland. They've been active in Ukraine before the war started. So I said, hey, do you know anybody in Poland? they like, let me get back to you. So they called me a few days later, and they said, how would you like to perform with the Ukrainian orchestra? And your face is exactly what mine was. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> is this a joke? Um, do they even exist? How is that even possible? How is that possible? Do they exist? And they go, well... We think it might happen. Let us get back to you. So, um, a couple weeks go by. I'm on tour. have a couple gigs left. My wife is with me because we know this might happen. If it happens, it has to happen in a quick window. So, we're scrambling to write the charts. We're scrambling to find a studio to record it. We have to record it before we can film it. We're trying to get, you know, musicians. And so, I'm kind of playing my gigs, but then I'm waking up at, you know, the eight in the morning to talk to Ukraine and try to find. You Know someone who can do the charts and get a studio and all this stuff, and we finally find someone could do that. And then I got a, a ticket in my inbox to Krakow one morning. I'm like, I guess I'm going, and uh, did another gig, kissed my wife, got on a plane to Krakow. And literally, when we landed in Krakow, that was the time they were supposed to be recording the session. Mm-hmm. So I'm dr- <laughs> surreal, I'm driving from Krakow to the border of Ukraine with bad Wi-Fi, trying to listen into this session of them recording the Ukrainian orchestra to my song, because we need that to film it. Luckily, my my colleague Katie uh, was on the call and and they got that done. And we had a crazy excursion to to Kyiv. Took 36 hours, we had to walk across the border, we're jumping on trains with congressmen, you know, uh, just trying to get there. And long story short, we end up in Kyiv preparing to shoot this video expecting it would be in a subway or something like that because of air raids. Yeah. But we found out very quickly that Sea Spray had a very powerful relationship with the Ukrainian government and they had found a location that I think was perfectly symbolic for why, uh,
0: why we went and the Ukrainian message. Epically yeah. symbolic. Yeah, I yeah, gotta, gotta watch that video. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very powerful. What did, I was wondering as I watched that, what did that experience recording in that setting do for the people that you met in Ukraine?
1: There was a moment that I think crystallized it all. We were filming in front of the Maria, you know, the cargo plane that Putin destroyed at the outset of the war, the kind of symbol of Ukrainian independence. So we were filming kind of in the rubble of the airport and the orchestra and I noticed out of the corner of my eye saw an entourage coming with military garb, similar to what you're wearing. turns out it was the general, who had approved us filming in this location, at the airport. And we exchanged pleasantries, and he, he wanted me to know that President Zelensky had personally approved it, thanked us for coming. And then he said, play me the song. And you could see the orchestra kind of stiffen up. And as soon as we kind of started to play, they played with a renewed vigor and passion, and they took flight. And they were playing with such pride and, and kind of spine. And Kind of halfway through the song, the general took out his phone and started filming them, and that's when I kind of lost it. Um, by then, you know, virtually everybody was crying. It's very emotional. All his entourage, these big Rambo-looking dudes, were taking out their phones, putting their sunglasses on because they were tearing up. And we finished the song, and there was a silence that you know probably was two seconds, but it seemed like you know mm-hmm. two weeks. But we understood right then why we were there. This kind of common humanity to stand together with these Ukrainians in this s- hollowed ground, um, showing that here's an American, here's the Ukrainians. We got your back. We're gonna stand with you in this thing. And, and uh, it was very powerful. And, and you realize these people are fighting for their survival. Mm-hmm. And that's what really hit us. In that moment,
0: I think we understood why we were there. Well, hope is a very powerful thing. Yes, it is. Well, It's that, that belief that there's a brighter tomorrow. Yes. That as dark as it gets today, it's, it's not always going to be like that. I think that's implicit in what we do in the military, Mm. that it's, it's hope is foundational to this whole endeavor, that we can make a better peace, that we can affect things, that we can, we can take action and we can actually do something to, to bring about peace and stability and opportunities for people to thrive. I mean, music can inspire that in people too. Yeah. So how, do you, how how do you think well you've talked about it already just the beauty amidst the rubble mm. things like that um it's it, it's inspiring so uh, one of the books that keeps coming up throughout this project hope in the trenches is victor frankl's book man's search for meaning mm. Um, have, have you read that book? I've not, but it's, I've heard about it, yeah. Uh, I, I heard about it for 25 years before mm. I actually picked it up and read it, and now uh, I read it like every year, and, and I've given away dozens of copies of that book. But he tells a story. He was an Austrian psychologist who was imprisoned in the concentration camps, lost his family. But he, he tried to look at his experiences from the lens of, as a psychologist, how do people find a meaning mm. in their lives when they're in these horrible situations, horrible circumstances. And he, and he, he realized that it's, you've gotta have something to hold on to, something, something to pull you through. And he tells a story about working in the, the, the dawn, digging a trench in the mud, and just kind of lost in thought, contemplating his, his life, where he's at, and he mm. sees a, a light come on and a farmhouse off in the distance. You know, and he, of course, he he evoked. He, he's Jewish, but he evoked uh, uh, from John. Uh, the light shines in the darkness, right? Mm. And then He t- this talks about a. He saw a bird land on the dirt pile in front of him, and he said that was enough to keep him occupied for hours to, to just inspire him. That, those moments of beauty in the midst of the, the mud and, and the difficulty. Um, you've talked about this before too, because you've had you've had some incredibly successful songs and trying to trying to capture that again. Um how do you well as I, as you were talking earlier I was reminded of that phrase like right art interprets life or imita- mm-hmm. imitates life right but the other thing is our our lives interpret art so how are you trying to balance that or achieve that as an artist
1: Well things have changed you know certainly as a young songwriter artist you're just trying to make a living and survive my goal with every record was to make another one and you try to craft songs that could be popular and and um, even though I try to have kind of meaning in my songs, mm-hmm. a lot of the songs are post-it notes to me. Hundred years, you know, appreciate the moment. You know, um, Superman or kind of common humanity that we can't be rocks for everybody all the time. Uh, what kind of world do you want? You know, I, that song was kind of the first one where I think my my brain might have clicked a little differently. What kind of world do you want? Uh, is about. The difference between standing up and complaining about the world uh, versus taking mm. action to change it. Yeah, a lot of people, especially celebrities, love to get on a soapbox and tell us how bad we are, or things we're doing wrong, or preach to us. But very few of them do. And I also found a mentor, a guy named Augie Nieto. Um, I was hired to to play a benefit for this guy years ago, and and Augie was the founder of Life Fitness, and, kind of an icon in the 80s and 90s in the fitness industry. He ran 25 marathons on the face of all these fitness magazines. And uh, he got ALS. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, with ALS, you usually have a two- or three-year lifespan. You lose all the ability to use your muscles. It's tragic. But I kind of became an R- a soldier in his army, and Augie um, kind of kept surviving and doing things and running businesses and boards when, with his toe on a computer. And he wrote a book called Success to Significance. He had a lot of success in his life. But his thought of I'm going to cure this orphan disease with all my skills was the most significant thing he's done. And he has done incredible work. They have a new drug that I think is going to be very promising. So, so I watched him do that. And in the last couple of years, I thought about, you know, I don't just wanna write you know, 100 years part three. I'm working for the family business, I'm doing keynotes, I'm performing, but I really didn't have um, a purpose with my songwriting. I'm not gonna make another record. I'll never have the success I had 20 years ago. It just doesn't happen. You age out and you know, but I still had a platform. And so when, when the Afghanistan song reacted and I saw that it was really a voice for a community that needed it, mm-hmm. community I love, our veterans, I'm like, okay, there's a reason to do this still. And then when Ukraine broke out, um, again, I I felt nobody's writing this song. Someone needs to write this song. Someone should have written blood on my hands. There should have been a concert for Afghanistan. There still should be. Um, So it kind of inspired me to, to get back and do it. And also, you know, when you work and you meet people like the Save Our Allies people, when you meet heroes doing true heroic work, the American ideals it inspires you to be a better version of yourself. And I just wanted to be part of that mission. These, these people evacuating the Afghan allies, um, their operations in Ukraine. I mean, I met the guy who literally saved the life of Benjamin Hall, the Fox News reporter. He drove the ambulance. I sat with him. I, I can't tell you his name either. Nobody will ever know his name or see him. He's been there for months. He, you know he's, these people are incredible. So when you're, when you're around them, you're like, yeah, I can write a song. I can go to Ukraine. I can kind of pull off this minor miracle with save our allies and, uh, and try to do things in a way that, that move the needle in the culture. Um, so, yeah, so I guess, I guess I haven't kind of been reborn, but with a different purpose um, to, you know, it's, it's not just about trying to be a rock star. It's, it's trying to shine the light where
0: it belongs. There's another quote uh, Frankel has in that book, too, that a, a person doesn't so much create their meaning for their lives mm. as, as discover it. Yeah. But, you know, and sometimes it discovers you, right? That's yeah. That, that's that line well, from, the, from the Hebrew scriptures, for such a time as this. Yeah. And so it's all, our, our lives are prologue up, up to these moments. No, I agree. Again, I, I
1: had no intention or took any joy in writing Blood on My Hands. Um, And similar with this song, uh, you know, with Ukraine, um, I don't want to go to Taiwan and write a song. You know, I think that's the next domino that may fall. But there's a history of artists writing songs in, in critical times, in crisis times, in times of change. Certainly the songs of the 60s, the protest songs, Live Aid, of course, you know, Sun City about apartheid. So there's, there's a history of, of songwriters kind of writing about what they see in the world. And I think that musical kind of encyclopedia gives us an insight in times into the times um, different than any other medium, different than reading a story or even seeing a documentary. You listen to the songs of the time. And, you know, the fact that there weren't more songs about Afghanistan and, frankly, Ukraine also is a, says something about the times, I think this culture, particularly the younger culture, uh, don't understand that freedom has a cost. And even though Ukraine is far, far away, and may not impact our lives. We've seen how appeasement in history can lead to global conflicts. So it's very frustrating for me. Um, I'm calling for a of live aid top type concert for ukraine because selfishly i'm i'm afraid that if we allow putin to devour ukraine it'll be you and you it'll be our soldiers on the polish border fighting this war because putin's not going to stop you know at ukraine so i have a selfish interest in this song and this mission and this concert you know global concert to really rally the world to have a cultural front. We have an economic front, we have a political front, but there really hasn't been a cultural front. Yeah, people go to Kiev, they take a picture with Zelensky, it's great. It's better than not going. But really, where is the world standing up letting the Russian people know you are isolated in this? You're not the heroes here, you're pariahs, and you have a choice. You can topple your tyrant and rejoin the free world, or you can go down with them. Culture can sometimes be more powerful than military, political, economic, you know, Russia not being in the world cup that matters. And if we have this global concert, I think, again, it can show them that, you know, they are pariahs in this, but the artists have to stand up and, uh, certainly, one man can't save the world, and one
0: man can do a concert by himself. <laughs> well, le- leadership matters. And That's true. Le- leaders can in- can inspire, and of course, to you all. Well, I'm the chaplain. I you know I pray that the military instrument of power is the last tool that we pull out yes, of the yeah. out of the toolkit. Yeah. Um, well. John yeah thanks I know you're you're running short on time but one of the big ideas for the podcast too is resiliency and mm. you, you travel and tour a lot and yeah. especially you've been working you've been going hard recently yeah. what do you do personally to stay resilient and healthy <laughs> not just physically right but it's the mental side that's yeah. the hardest yeah I mean it's
1: tough you know um, when you're doing a lot of press and you have a lot of obligations and then you're performing and Um, you know, I try to, when we were in Ukraine, um, nobody really slept much, you know, we were a little scared, which is strange, but I always kept thinking, you know, we get to leave. Okay. Mm -hmm. This, these folks don't, (laughs) or they choose not to. So whenever I kind of feel overwhelmed or whatever, I think about how lucky I am, you know, Superman, the hook is it's not easy to be me. I've realized in the last 25 years, it's pretty darn easy to be me because when you meet people like augie nieto uh, when you see people like sea spray and the saver Allies people when you see the ukrainians fighting for their survival it allows you to kind of understand perspective and i try to use that to say whatever i'm doing today it's a very small thing on the scale of things (laughs) just keep you know breathe keep yourself healthy but and it's pragmatic stuff too you know no alcohol on the road you know don't talk much, try to sleep, um, yoga, turn off your phone, get away from the media, um, go for long walks. I was just in Grand Rapids and I had my daughter sing a song with me in a symphony show mm-hmm. and being with your family, mm-hmm. certainly your faith, mm-hmm. all these tools, being with other people, your friends, you know, we've become so kind of, kind of hermits through this pandemic. One thing I'm so excited about playing a, so- a show here in the next hour is, we're finally together, being together with other humans, just like in your church, right? It's like uh, we need to be together to share experiences, good, bad, ugly. So I keep trying to force myself into those situations, even though, you know, I'm kind of exhausted.
0: But it's, it's, it's a battle and it's a matter of will like anything else. Well, John, again, thanks so much. And God bless you and your family in your work. Um, and Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. Thank you for your service, and uh, thanks for everything you do.
1: I, I love your message and your mission, and uh, I'll try to take some of it to heart.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's worth it. Uh, America, yes. America's worth it.
1: Yes, we are. Hey, we're the light of the world. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. Thanks, John.
0: This podcast is produced by the Oregon National Guard Public Affairs Office. My prayer for you is that wherever you find yourself, that you might find hope for today and strength for the ambiguity and chaos of life. Blessings on the rest of your day.